Welcome to the Piano Explorer podcast. I'm Benjamin Harding, your host, and you can follow us on Instagram at Piano Explored Podcast. Thanks for joining us. The audio that you're going to be hearing today is directly from our YouTube channel. Today's episode is about voicing and how to do voicing as a pianist. So what is voicing and how does one accomplish voicing in playing the piano? I hope that this helps you to level up your understanding of what voicing is and how to teach it. Let's jump into today's episode. So today we are going to look at the classical version of voicing and for me this was something of a curiosity for me uh, growing up and trying to figure out how to do this so I hope this video is helpful to you if it is go ahead and smash the subscribe button and press the like button and sign up for notifications let's get to it today okay all right let's get to it we're going to use two examples today for our exercise in voicing. We're going to use Rachmaninoff's uh, Prelude in D Major, Opus 23, Number 4. And we're also going to look at the Pathétique Sonata by Beethoven, but the second movement, the second movement. And so let me play just a little bit of the opening of that second movement from Beethoven's Pathétique Sonata. to talk about here in the sonata just so much incredible things so many incredible things so much incredible things so many incredible things to discuss but today we're only going to focus on voicing now as you probably heard in this opening section of the second movement of the pathetic sonata you've got a clear melody melody at that. Mm-hmm. 
you've got a bass line. Together, the melody and the bass line sound something like this. absolutely gorgeous. So the bass is sort of like a counter melody or a second melody. And then in the middle, you have these oscillating 16th notes. That provide harmonic color. Together, they of course sound like this. absolutely amazing. So there are three sort of voices that are going on at the same time. And the job for the pianist is to bring out the melody over and above the other voices, including the bass. So if you were to think about it in terms of a, like a painting, maybe the melody is the foreground the bass is like the mid-ground, and then the accompaniment in the middle is the very background. And the job for the pianist is to layer all of these sounds so that they can be understood by the listener and perceived by the listener as three sort of independent voices. It's a really hard thing to do. So what kind of exercises do pianists do to accomplish the voicing in a particular piece? Well, number one, they do exactly what I just did, which is to look at the piece from a compositional standpoint, looking at the melody and hearing that melody very clearly, playing just the melody and really listening carefully to the melody really playing and listening to the bass and bringing out the, the accompaniment as well. And so compositionally, really understanding how the music is arranged and which are the main parts to bring out in a particular section of the piece. That's the first thing, really understanding the compositional language of the piece that you're playing. So that's the first step. The first step is really understanding how compositionally the piece is arranged. And in this particular situation with Beethoven's Pathetique Sonata, you've got a really clear melody, a really clear bass line, and a really clear accompaniment. And each one is gonna have 
different sound levels. But how do you technically work on voicing? And then this is where we're going to get into some really neat foundational piano stuff. Okay? So first, we need to use our arm. Okay? Our fingers have all different kinds of strengths. My pinky is got a different strength than my thumb. And my ring finger, no matter how hard I work on developing the strength of my ring finger, it's never going to be as independent or as strong as my index finger. So the piano actually needs to be played with the arm. And there was a very famous Russian pianist in the 19th century, yeah, 19th century, 1800s, by the name of Anton Rubinstein. And he talked about the arm having one finger, that the hand needs to be almost thought about as an extension of the arm as one finger. And so we play the piano with our arm. So here's an exercise that I give my students in exploring how to voice certain aspects of the piano. Take your index finger and play a C major scale. Now notice I'm not twisting my wrist. I'm not going side to side. I'm literally picking up my index finger and playing a C major scale basically with my arm, but my index finger is of course the digit that is, a, that is attacking the note as I play a C major scale. Let me do that again. And so I get students to really feel the arm going up and down in playing a C major scale. You have to play it with your arm. I mean, you've probably seen incredible footwork done by incredible organists around the world. I'm thinking of the revolutionary etude transcription by Cameron Carpenter. Absolutely incredible. He plays the revolutionary etude by Chopin on the pedal board using just his feet. And for the most part, for the most part, you can only play one note at a time with your foot. Okay? One note at a time with your foot. And so that means he's picking up all of his feet and going up and down with his legs going up and down. And that's the similar type of situation with the piano and the keyboard. We are playing with our arm. I know some pianists actually take a pencil and put it in a fist and play a C major scale to get that same kind of motion as we're going up and down the keyboard. So, in my right hand, 
I am centering, as I play this scale, I am centering my arm right behind my hand and right behind the finger that I'm playing. This is really, really important. So let's envision that we're playing the melody by the, uh, the Pathetique Sonata with just the index finger while the arm is behind each of the melody notes as we play. And this is what's going to happen. envisioning and thinking about waiting w-e-i-g-h-t-i-n-g waiting the melodic note with my arm right behind the finger that is playing the melodic note wow this is really kind of challenging to explain verbally but i think you're getting it if you've watched the entire video. Now, here's something to do with the other voices while you are voicing and waiting the other melodic, the melodic uh, line. Here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna smush, I call it smush, and you're gonna use your fingers only, your fingers only to play the other notes. So in other words, you're waiting the melodic line with your arm and then the rest of the notes, you're just pushing down, okay? You're just pushing down with your fingers and that automatically gives a different sound to the other voices that you're playing, the bass and the accompaniment. So let's jump over to the Rachmaninoff prelude in D major. This is such an amazing composition as well. And it's amazing from the standpoint that the melody is sort of in the middle of this weaving accompaniment. And there are so many complex features to this piece. We can't get to them all today. Of course, we're just going to focus in on the voicing part. Here it goes.
so on. This piece is almost like an etude or a study on voicing. Not only do we have to worry about voicing, but we have to worry about two against three and doing all kinds of things in one hand while the other hand is doing something completely different. It is a wonderful piece and I revisit this piece often to level up, level up my voicing work. So you probably heard at the beginning that there's this accompaniment. And then the melody speaks. While the accompaniment keeps going. So to follow sort of the steps to really bring, level up, hey, I'm gonna use that word, level up. Level up our voicing in this piece is to really understand compositionally what Rachmaninoff is doing. First, we understand what the melody is. and so forth. Understanding that melody and having that melodic design in your ear as you're practicing your, the piece, that's the first step. It's so critical to really understand compositionally what's happening. And then to understand the accompaniment that encircles this very simple but heartbreakingly beautiful melody to understand this accompaniment. And so to bring out, of course, the bass notes to really enrich the harmonic color of this piece is so important. But let's just look at this accompaniment as it goes along without even playing the melody. so forth. I get students to think through the compositional elements because oftentimes when they just play a melodic figure that they're learning, a, a new melodic figure that they're learning in a particular piece, 
oftentimes they'll get the melody wrong. And if you get the melody wrong, even by one note, you're not thinking about the melody in its proper context or its proper voicing. What do you voice? You need to voice the melody and the melody alone. So number one, really look through that compositional process. What is the composer trying to do and how he's layering the different kinds of sounds? Then we begin to put together that arm weight situation where we envision playing the melody with our index finger. sort of our weight behind the melody and then smushing as it were the other notes so forth. Thank you so much for joining me today on this video. Again, hit the like and subscribe button. We're really excited to be growing this channel and being a part of the Piano Explored podcast community. I'll see you next time.